Welcome to Jays Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Joe Ali. Thank you for listening. Blue Jays are 7-5 losers to the visiting Oakland Athletics in Game 2 of 3, setting up a rubber match. We haven't said that too many times this year. A rubber match at Rogers Center. Alec Manoa will head to the mound for the Toronto Blue Jays. But uh, no, I am not Kevin Barker or Jeff Blair. Uh, the two of those guys have the day off. A, d- a much-deserved off day, right? A much-deserved rest day. You know how how... We sometimes see Charlie Montoyo give his guys, like, really strict rest days. This is like one of those days. I was going to say this is like one of those days, actually, where Vladdy is DHing and someone else is at first base. It's not even really like that. This is a day where Vladdy gets his his feet off completely, right? Doesn't run the bases, doesn't swing a bat. We kind of saw that from George Springer. I saw some a lot of people on the old timeline um, complaining that we didn't see George Springer until the very end of today's ballgame, which I think is, to a degree, valid. But I think it does prove that Charlie Montoyo is very strict about the uh, rest regimen, maybe even maybe more so for someone like George Springer. But either way, Blair and Barker will be back uh, for the bulk of Jay's talk shows throughout the course of the season. I'm kind of like the... Huh. I was going to say Santiago Espinal because, you know, last year, I, I think I said it before, right? Last year, I would have been Espinal because he was the defensive substitution. He wasn't the everyday third baseman, right? But now there's Matt Chapman out there, Espinal. Heck, I mean, the argument can be made, probably should be made, probably by me, <laughs> that Santiago Espinal deserves to be the everyday second baseman. I think I got intentionally walked yesterday. Not quite as uh, as good today, but he was still on base a couple times, right? Generally speaking, speaking, I would say I'm like the, you know, can I say Zach Collins, even though he hit a home run today? Maybe, right? The Zach Collins, the Tyler Heineman of this Toronto Blue Jays squad. When when rosters get cut down, I have no idea what the comparison will be, right? But either way, coming out of the bullpen, maybe a, maybe a pitcher is a better, a more apt comparison. But either way, uh, I will uh, steer you through. I will be your steward for this episode of Jays Talk. Um, a couple of things I want to get to on this uh, podcast-only version of the show. Um, I do want to talk about the bullpen, and I want to talk about Julian Merriweather and his role on this team, but how can we start anywhere else than with Hyunjin Ryu, right? I mean, the guy is under contract for a, a relatively long amount of time, right? A lot of money still on the hook, and boy, I remember, it's funny, actually, I think uh, Blair was off one day. And I remember I was on the desk when uh, Ryu was signed, when he was introduced. And I remember then, we were talking then, years ago it felt like, right, about what Ryu's durability would be. Because if you recall when he signed that year, I think the, like, you know, that was the offseason. So the year before, Ryu was the ERA leader, right? And he was coming off a fantastic season with the Los Angeles Dodgers. They let him go. He was signed with the Blue Jays. And but still, the the term he signed for, I think, raised some concerns, raised some eyebrows, not the money, but the term as to what would that deal look like on the back end when Ryu is a little older and maybe the durability is a little less then, right? And I got to say, I I don't think I can anymore say I'm not worried about Hyunjin Ryu. I know it's a double negative, but still, I, I am a little worried, I gotta say. I'm not quite ready to jump ship. I'm not. I think there's some value there, and I think... It, it's interesting, right? Because I think in a perfect world, you look at the five, and I know it's kind of six now because Stripling started yesterday, but let's just, for the sake of this discussion, leave Stripling out of it, okay? In a perfect world, your starters would be in order 
Jose Barrios, Kevin Gossman, Alec Manoa, Hyunjin Ryu, Yusei Kikuchi, right? Stripling got put in there yesterday because obviously it's a busy month of April. They needed, they wanted to give some guys a little more, a couple more days of rest in between, right? So, I, and I think that's perfectly fine. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is really is that you can't have Ryu and Kikuchi really go back to back with the same opponent because they're both lefties. And if that's the case, then you kind of have to split it up a little bit, hence Manoa coming in, and then you got Kikuchi after him. Hyunjin Ryu did not look good today. He got hit early, he got hit hard, he was leaving balls over the middle of the plate at a very decreased velocity, and we already know that Hyunjin Ryu's repertoire does not include, you know, laser fastballs coming in there, right? Hyunjin Ryu's thing, his thing, is being able to deceive you with nibbling around the strike zone. To be fair, it did not help that the strike zone was atrocious today. It was it was it was it was awful, right? There's no there's no way around it. Charlie Montoyo got ejected because and how how often have all of you guys listening to Jay's talk, how often did you wish last year Charlie got his butt out of the dugout and got in the face of an umpire? I gotta say, I wa- I, I I was reticent to say I wanted him to do that last year a lot but by the end of the season I was wishing for it you're begging for it to happen and you know what he did super animated the umpire the whole blade umpire turned away from him at one point and he he wanted more he wanted a piece of that umpire he walked out there and and and, you know basically forced him to turn around I I wonder I can only imagine what kind of uh you know colorful language is being used in that sense but at the same time, Charlie Montoyo did stand up for his guys considering the strike zone was, was atrocious today. So they didn't, it didn't help Hyunjin Ryu. It did not help him one bit. But at the same time, the, the decreased velocity, the, the command not being there for a command pitcher. And then this is what Charlie Montoyo said after the game. If you haven't heard this, I, was only, I only heard this as I was leaving the ballpark. I was at Rogers Center today, and I got to say, the crowd's reaction to Charlie getting tossed was fantastic. They loved it, and I, I, I got to say, I loved it too. But here's what Charlie had to say when he was asked by the media and his postgame availability about Hyunjin Ryu. Let's give it a listen. Why is the command off so many times now? I don't know. I know he's been working hard on it, him, Pete, and, and, but it's just his command hasn't been there. You know, and he, he, he's a guy that he's really good when he commands all his pitches. He just hasn't been able to. Are you concerned at all with the velocity drop? Because that, you know, even makes There's always hard. a concern. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a concern. Like, like I think right now, uh, last I heard, like, he, he's got, like, a left arm soreness. He, that's what he said at the end of the game. Is that why he came out? No, I took him out because of the, the score of the game, but, but then that's what I heard after, after I got, got out of the game. That's what I heard from the trainers. Left, Shoulder, left, elbow? Left, left arm soreness. Shoulder, elbow? That you don't know? Left arm soreness? So I'm not making any sense? Forearm. Clearly, Charlie's searching for uh, the right word, right? I mean, the, the various uh, words around... Uh, the injured list, right, left forearm soreness, tightness, you know, all the very, all the various injuries uh, are, are a little out there. But that that doesn't sound good to me. And uh, as you may recall, that was something that a lot of these pitchers dealt with last year. Now, again, I'm not saying that this is, you know, can be directly 
tied back to the crackdown on substances from last year, but we had heard pitchers last season talk about the, uh, the, the crackdown affecting the way they grip the ball and having some left arm tightness, soreness, forearms issues, right? I just, I'm not saying it's, it's necessarily precluding a stint on the IL for Hyunjin Ryu, but you look at that velocity and you look at where he was trying to put the ball, he clearly was having issues. And like I mentioned, for a command pitcher, that is something that is, uh, that is a little, a little unnerving, right? We'll have to keep, keep an eye on that situation kind of as it develops, because I would imagine now with Stripling already ready, essentially, to take that spot in the order. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, I mean, it's crazy to say this so early in the season. It's April 16th today, right? There's a lot of baseball left to be played. But I, I would you be all that surprised to see Stripling take Ryu's place in the order for the next start, given that Stripling pitched yesterday, Ryu pitched today? Probably not, right? Probably not. So that's something to monitor. But and again, it's not like Charlie said this as well. You can't make excuses for Ryu, but at the same time, I mean, if it's an injury, then heck, I mean, you better get these injuries out of the way now than later on, right? And again, do do you want to ask the question, does this have something to do with a shortened spring training and specifically how the Blue Jays didn't really let Ryu once he arrived from Korea, they didn't really let him see a lot of the, uh, you know, intradivisional games uh, in the Grapefruit League, right? They, like he, did, he was kind of sheltered from the Yankees. Uh, you know, he didn't really pitch all that much period in spring training. And then he had COVID, right? He had COVID. That was a, a big reason why he didn't come over to, uh, to Dunedin from Korea right away because he had COVID. So I wonder if maybe the shortened spring training being built back up from COVID it has something to do with it. But Either way, I, I just, not not encouraging news, I will say. Um, something that was far more encouraging, I have to say, were the performances of the bullpen, um, Julian Merriweather notwithstanding. Uh, Trent Thornton, I gotta say, he has looked pretty good to start the year. He has looked he has looked damn decent, I gotta say. He, does, he begs the question, does he deserve more high-leverage spots? I don't know that I'm ready to give those spots to him just quite yet, if I was the manager. But at the same time, I think given what we had seen out of Thornton last year, remember he was basically the guy who would come out of the bullpen if you were up or down big, right? It was kind of Anthony Kay seemed to fill that role at times as well. And he did warm up today, although he didn't get into the ball game. But generally speaking, seeing Trent Thornton come in and be effective for multiple innings, I think is really important for this team. That's something that's really important because we talk a lot about the plan to get the ball out of the hands of the starter and into the hands of your closers on a, on a daily basis, it feels like, right? And your closer, more often than not, is Jordan Romano. I think, frankly, I think I've seen enough out of any closer experiments for Julian Merriweather. We'll get to that very shortly here. But Trent Thornton, I think, needs to be included more, in, in at least in the conversation when you have high-leverage situations. But at the same time, I mean, Simber didn't pitch today. We knew he wasn't going to pitch because how, how many pitches he threw yesterday. Uh, but at the same time, Simber is, is a very effective reliever, has been so far. Trevor Richards has been pretty effective. And Jimmy Garcia has been very consistent. I wonder if his playing time in terms of getting into as many games as possible, certainly part of being a competitive athlete, but also I wonder if it's almost the same thing as Ryu. They want to get him to as many ball games as humanly possible, um, if he can, if he's not throwing too many pitches the day before. Because remember, he had the visa issue coming out of... Uh, 
going into spring training, I should say, and so he didn't really pitch all that much. Moreno had the issue as well, but of course he didn't break the uh, break spring training camp with uh, with the big league roster. So I gotta say that the performance of the bullpen as a whole on the season, I know it's I know it's like the the, the dreaded words, right? It's early. I know it's early, but at the same time. We were having these same conversations last year, remember? Like, the, the bullpen was pretty good, I feel like, for the early goings of April, and then that's when it fell apart. I will say, the way Phelps, and he pitched today, he looked pretty effective. Garcia, Tre- Trevor Richards, Adam Simber, um, Tim Meza, Jordan Romano. A lo- the way a lot of these guys have performed in the early season is very, very encouraging, right? And I think if you can m- ensure that they don't have to be overtaxed as much as possible going into the rest of the year, I think that is uh, that's as, as fantastic as it can be, right? So that's another reason, I think, for getting Trent Thornton worked in a little more. And again, he came in when it was 5-1, are you you know that's the same kind of role he held last year? Do they tweak his role at all? Does the does the injury potentially to Ryu change anything there? If Stripling becomes the starter, does that change? I think it might because I mean Stripling talked about it in his post game yesterday. But I mean at the same time, Stripling is used to be kind of bouncing between being a starter and reliever. And I mean he's the he's a pro. He's going to do what's necessary. But if Stripling is not in the bullpen, Pearson's not in the bullpen. Baraki threw his first bullpen yesterday. He only arrived in Toronto earlier today. Actually, after the ball game, I was sitting in the booth with Ben Wagner, and we looked out as people were filing out of the ballpark. And the ground crew is getting the infield ready. They're soaking the soaking the mound and and the the clay and so on with water and and all the other stuff they do after a game. And you can see uh, just just outside the bullpen gates, you can see Baraki start to throw the ball around a little bit. And again, first bullpen yesterday. What is his timeline again, right? Because I think there's a lot of people who are still intrigued by Ryan Baraki. If if Julian Merriweather gets sent down, and again, the conversation around, not not just because he hasn't been super impressive, but also because soon they're going to have to cut down these this bullpen, right? They're going to have to shorten shorten the roster by two guys who, you know, they, they're kind of competing against each other for a roster spot. Who gets sent down, right? It doesn't end up being Baraki. I believe Julian Merriweather does have one minor league option remaining. And here's, and here's the thing. I know I've kind of talked it around it a little bit. Here's the thing with Julian Merriweather. Merriweather throws the ball really hard. He is a flamethrower. The guy has a gas can for an arm. There's no, like, no, no one will ever, ever go against that. I'm not, you know, you, it is undisputable uh, that is he has a flamethrower for for an arm. But that's kind of it, right? He throws hard, and that's kind of it. I, I don't know. I'm not. I've always I've always asked the question going back to last year because I haven't been intrigued by him. But I've always asked the question: Do you trust? Julian Merriweather and dare I say everyone listening to this podcast well, the answer will probably be no because he gave up what were essentially the, the game losing runs to Christian Pache and let me just say also that was a missile Pache Pache hit right I mean he came over in the trade from the Braves when Matt Olson was sent to uh, to Atlanta to replace Freddie Freeman and obviously the athletics have really done the whole fire sale in, in recent years I mean certainly letting Marcus Simeon walk and trading away Chapman trading away Olson. And uh, obviously the Athletics need some young talent back. Pache looks really good, and he launched that home run. But you can't be doing that if you're Julian Merriweather, right? Like he doesn't, he he just he has the gas can. That's kind of it. It's just if that's what his skill set is. I'm not saying there's no room for a skill set like that, but at the same time, if that's all it is and nothing else, then 
don't you feel more comfortable at this point, even in limited action, despite the fact that Merriweather was on the team last year, don't you feel more comfortable with the ball in Jimmy Garcia's hands? Look what he did when, when they were in a bit of a jam, right? Induced a couple, induced a ground ball, got a couple of strikeouts, even though there were runners on second and third with, I think, one out. He got a strikeout after that, and then the ball was knocked right into the glove of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to get out of that jam. But don't you feel comfortable already with Garcia as that guy? Don't you already feel more comfortable with Trevor Richards or Adam Simber as that guy? It's just... I think Merriweather, I don't know if he, I don't, it's not you can't, It's not so simple as saying, well, just go down and add a pitch. It's not MLB the show. But at the same time, Julian Merriweather, I just, I'm not sure what his place is on this roster, what his role is on this roster, and doubly so when rosters get cut down. I mean, again, I mentioned Barucki. Wouldn't you rather see Barucki do what he has shown he is capable of doing than just having Merriweather throw, I mean, throwing 100 miles an hour is cool, but if that's all you're doing and it's not really being effective, then... I'm not really sure if if there is a place for him on this roster. I wanted to get to a couple more things really quickly um, before we got out of here and let you enjoy your uh, your Saturday evening. <laughs> I You look at the days of rest thing, and I saw some people kind of arguing about this. And again, I briefly mentioned this earlier, and it kind of goes back to the New York series as well. We had seen Matt Chapman not play, I think it was on Thursday. And then today, George Springer got the day off his feet. Now, look, in the city of Toronto, I feel like we have... Uh, certainly not coined, but I think it became popular during the Kawhi Leonard era of the Toronto Raptors when he talks about load management, right? And uh, it was it was kind of necessary. Kawhi has the chronic knee issues, and and you know load management became a, a term that was so popular. I feel like other teams and other cities and other other sports were starting to use it. Um, I don't necessarily think that's what's going on with the the younger guys on this team and I mean I don't know if Matt Chapman qualifies as the younger guys but I mean you want to get guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. days off his feet um Bo Bichette days off his feet right Tay Oscar certainly is on the IL right now but he's going to get chances to be spelled for a little bit right and of course George Springer is that guy now we did see him pinch hit in I guess it was what the bottom of the ninth inning and I saw some people kind of clamoring for him pinch hitting for Bradley Zimmer, which is a perfect opportunity because you can just put Springer out in the center field uh, when they were two on and two out. And of course, Zimmer, this was right after the Matt Chapman home run and the Zach Collins home run. So you're thinking, okay, this is an oppor- a prime opportunity to see another terrific bat, someone who needs to stay healthy for the Toronto Blue Jays this year. But I think the fact that George Springer did not come into the game at that juncture, I think shows that Charlie Montoyo and the Blue Jays player development and training staff, uh, they're very committed, clearly. They're very committed to making sure that guys like George Springer do not have to play when they are not scheduled to play, right? And again, it was a do-or-die situation in the bottom of the ninth inning. There was a guy on base. A home run by Springer would have tied the game because they were down by two runs after the Pache home run. But I just, I feel like that sends the message that if you know that a guy is off, again, unless it is a do-or-die situation at the very end of a game, then, you know, and, and it works out the way it worked out, then you probably will not see that guy. Now, again, if it's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who has the day off, and I mean, how many days off is Vladdy really getting? Probably not that many, right? Even Because even if he's not at first, he's still probably going to DH. But my, my point really is that, I think instead of saying that Charlie Montoyo and the staff don't know what they're doing, I think we can give them the benefit of the doubt. This early in the season, at least, maybe the tenor of this conversation changes 
by the time we get to the end of the year. But I do think that you give them the benefit of the doubt because the bats are always going to be hot, right? I mean, I know we didn't get a ton of production from the top of the order. Most of the production coming from Lourdes on down, it felt like, right? But at the end, And again, I mean, no Teoscar, Tapia led off today. I mean, it kind of felt, it was a little strange, right? Because it was like Espinal was at the bottom of the order, then Zimmer, then Tapia. And then you kind of think to yourself, well, it almost feels like the batting order, even though it does start with Tapia, it kind of feels like it started with Bo Bichette, essentially, right? Even though he was batting second. Uh, but I gotta say, it. I, I don't think that's a mistake. I think that is, a, what, what's the phrase people always say? It's not a bug, it's a feature. That is a feature of this version of the Toronto Blue Jays. And again, maybe doubly so while some guys are ailing, right? Maybe this is their chance, not that they're giving up necessarily, but this is their chance to make sure that key guys continue to get rest, even when players like Teoscar and Danny Jansen are uh, on the IL and, and, you know, getting, you know, mending themselves a little bit while we wait for them to return. But that also kind of leads me to Bo Bichette. I mean, Bo has struggled at the plate this year. I mean, he's had a home, he has had a pretty, like a, a long, no doubt home run. But I mean, outside of that, he strikes out a lot. He hasn't gotten on base, I think as much as people would like for someone we believe to be one of the premier shortstops in all of Major League Baseball. And I will say, there were conversations we had last year about, and I know it's, it's it's early enough in the year that we can still make comparisons. So last year, when we get into like July and August, we're not going to be doing that anymore, right? We're going to be talking about April and May in July and August. But at the same time, Bo Bichette last year, if you all recall, the conversation kind of centered around Bo's potential to be a... Uh, or maybe the better way of phrasing it is Bo's potential to be the everyday shortstop, right? Because remember when Marcus Simeon left, there was a lot of conversation about should Bo simply be the everyday second baseman and have someone else, maybe you go and get Corey Seager and you go out and get someone else to be the shortstop. That obviously didn't happen. Bo's the shortstop of the future. We know this. But at the same time, I just find it fascinating because Bo Bichette, I think that the defensive transformation, and that's something he clearly worked on in the offseason, has been fantastic, right? And him playing next to Santiago Espinal when Espinal is at second base, it looks very pretty, right? Pretty, dazzling, stupendous are all words I have heard Ben Wagner use, and I'm sure Dan Schulman and Buck Martinez and Pat and Joe are all using those words as well, because some of the, the plays they make... Are, are are nothing short of jaw-dropping, right? And you look at Bo Bichette in particular, even on today, in today's game, you know, there was a play early on where he had the chance to go the short way to third or second, and he decided to go the long way to first. Probably an easier throw given his body and his arm were already angled that way, but at the same time, Bo Bichette, I think... His defensive acumen is not really an issue anymore because, it, I, it, you know, there was a question mark around it last year, it felt like. Not so much this year, but now the the early season struggles at the plate. Again, not super not super alarming for me. It's it's only again April sixteenth. This was the ninth game of the season. Blue Jays are now five and four on the year. I think let's let's have this conversation again when Bo has had a hundred and fifty more at bats, maybe. Right? If he is still struggling at that point, then maybe you can all ring the alarm bell. Although if he's struggling after 150 at bats, there are probably other problems too, right? But at the same time, if if, if the defensive stuff is is what it is and he continues getting quality at bats, then I think the runs will come. I think he has shown in his relatively young career that he is a player you can be trusted, but it's 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 def- I definitely feel you when you see you know you see him strike out or fly out or ground out. I mean, he looked pretty frustrated at one point 
where he chopped the ball right into the dirt and then you know he got beat to first and he the the A's came off the infield and you could see Bo at first base and he smashed his helmet into the first base bag uh, clearly frustrated right and if you're a player as good as that struggling I think must really eat away at you but again this is isn't this not the same conversation we had about Danny Jansen where did he start last year like 0 for 19 or like 0 for 30 or something like that right and then of course I guess Danny Jansen decided that oh he's just going to hit every ball as a home run or hit every ball to the wall or whatever right so I'm sure it'll be sorted out with Bo Bichette um, in the in the not too distant future, but it is something to keep an eye on. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about before we get out of here is uh, Santiago Espinal. Again, I did mention him kind of very briefly there in relation to Bo, but at the same time, Santiago Espinal. I think I think I'm on board with him being the everyday second baseman. That's not to say I want to discard Kevin Biggio. Maybe Biggio needs to spend a little more time in the minors. Maybe, right? Maybe he needs to play with the Bisons a little bit. I don't know. I don't think you send a guy like that like that down to the Fisher Cats. Probably just to the Bisons, but unless it was a, a serious injury. But you look at the, his last year. I mean, he had so many injuries, right? He had the cervical, what was it? The cervical spine ligament strain, and he had a shoulder strain and a more back problems. And he tried to play through it at times, and I think it probably exacerbated the injuries. And boy, it was a real snake bit year for Kevin Biggio, which I think is why people are intrigued to see him get more starts at second. But I mean, look, Santiago Espinal has impressed a lot. Again, the season is young. I think we have to wait before making any huge judgments on any players. But at the same time, I think Espinal has shown, with the way he's approached his at-bats this year and what he brings with the glove defensively, that he might be a better, a more value add at this point than maybe Kevin Biggio is. It's also interesting, right, because Espinal doesn't really make a lot of money, right? He doesn't make a ton of money. And I find whenever you do make a lot of money, it, it, it rightly or wrongly opens you up to criticism, right? I mean, look at Randall Gritchick before he was shipped off to Colorado. And uh, I do still wish him the best hitting at Coors Field because, you know, someone like Randall Gritchick can really, <laughs> you can really go yard at a place like Coors Field. But at the same time, Gritchick invited, not intentionally, but I mean, just by dint of having such a ridiculous contract, I mean, I feel like people kind of poo-poo that contract from the day it was signed. Gritchick invited criticism, essentially. Like, if he if he has struck out or he had a, a poor stretch, people are going to point to that contract and say, well, the reason, you know, he's being paid not to do that, so he he got to pick up the slack here, Randall. It's not really the same thing for guys who don't make tons of money, right? I always think that's important to remember. Again, Santiago Espinal, I'm not I'm not saying anything negative about him, right? He deserves all the praise he's been getting, but I just find it an interesting almost juxtaposition when it comes to someone like Espinal. But again, I mean, if if he gets more playing time, it by necessity means that Biggio gets less playing time. So if that's the case, then I mean, what are you doing with Kevin Biggio, right? Is he just going to sit on the bench and, you know, players need at-bats to improve, right? So if, if you know, is it going to be a different kind of situation? Is he going to be DHing more on days where everyone is playing in their respective positions, right? Chapman at third, Vladdy at first, Bo at short, all the guys in the outfield, Teoscar healthy, right? I mean, that also what uh, Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk, what is that going on there for the catcher situation? So there, there, there are so many good players on this team that still having someone like Kevin Biggio, that is, having, having a player of his caliber is absolutely what championship teams need. You can't just go out and sell someone like Kevin Biggio. So again, I'm not giving up on him just yet, but Again, at least in the early going, 
hey, if, if Santiago Espinal has played his way into more playing time, then he deserves it, right? And again, maybe that's a bit of a detriment to Biggio, but hey, I mean, may, maybe for the next not-too-distant future, we continue to see the platoon. That seems to be the, the indication that it'll be a matchup thing, and depending on who's on the mounds, Espinal will go and Biggio will go. We've seen them be pinch-hit for by each other in the first nine games of the season, so that'll probably continue unless one of them just rockets up the statistical charts, right? So we'll have to keep an eye on that. But again, I, I do uh, sympathize and honestly agree with many of you who think that Espinal should be getting uh, more playing time. But again, uh, you're listening to Jay's talk here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Again, I am not Jeff Blair or Kevin Barker. They will be back tomorrow for another edition of Jay's talk. We always appreciate you uh, rating, reviewing, um, you know, five stars, all that good stuff. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, the web, of course, as well. We always appreciate it. Um, the Blue Jays are back tomorrow. The Alec Manoa will be taking the mound. How can you not be confident in Alec Manoa? I know it's hard to be confident in Ryu, doubly so when he's, when he's potentially injured, right? He's going to get imaging tomorrow, I'm seeing. So we'll have to see what the results are tomorrow on Sunday. But Alec Manoa on the mound, how can you not feel confident? That guy, I know this is a small sample size, recency bias, prisoner of the moment, whatever you want to say. He has Cy Young written all over him someday. It might not be this year. I'm not saying it's going to happen this year. But I mean, the guy is young enough that at some point in the not-too-distant future, I feel like we're going to be having that conversation about him. He is unflappable, and I think Blue Jays fans are going to be very pleased with him for a very long time. I mean, heck, he probably could have had he made his debut a little earlier in the season. Could he have been eligible to win AL Rookie of the Year last year? Maybe. It's also very hard for pitchers to win awards like that because, you know, it skews more towards position players. And it was probably always going to be someone like Randy Orozco or Ryan Mountcastle or whatever to use a few names from around the AL East, Luis Garcia, right? But at the same time, Alec Manoa is fantastic and he's going to be on the mound tomorrow, 1.37 p.m. Eastern first pitch. Ben Wagner will have the call as always. But we appreciate you listening to another edition of Jay's Talk. I'm Show Ali. We'll talk to you tomorrow.